Book Seven, Part One of Eusebius Church History. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by David Leeson. Church History by Eusebius of Caesarea, translated by Arthur Cushman McGifford. Book Seven, Part One, Introduction and Chapters One through Eleven. Book Seven, Introduction. In this seventh book of the Church History, the great Bishop of Alexandria, Dionysius, shall again assist us by his own words, relating the several affairs of his time in the epistles which he has left. I will begin with them. Chapter One, the Wickedness of Decius and Gallus. When Decius had reigned not quite two years, he was slain with his children and Gallus succeeded him. At this time Origen died, being sixty-nine years of age. Dionysius, writing to Hermamon, speaks as follows of Gallus. Gallus neither recognized the wickedness of Decius, nor considered what had destroyed him, but stumbled on the same stone, though it lay before his eyes. For when his reign was prosperous and affairs were proceeding according to his mind, he attacked the holy men who were interceding with God for his peace and welfare. Therefore with them he persecuted also their prayers in his behalf. So much concerning him. Chapter 2. The Bishops of Rome in Those Times Cornelius, having held the episcopate in the city of Rome about three years, was succeeded by Lucius. He died in less than eight months, and transmitted his office to Stephen. Dionysius wrote to him the first of his letters on baptism, as no small controversy had arisen as to whether those who had turned from any heresy should be purified by baptism. For the ancient custom prevailed in regard to such, that they should receive only the laying on of hands with prayers. Chapter 3 Cyprian, and the bishops with him, first taught that it was necessary to purify by baptism those converted from heresy. First of all, Cyprian, pastor of the parish of Carthage, maintained that they should not be received except they had been purified from their error by baptism. But Stephen, considering it unnecessary to add any innovation contrary to the tradition which had been held from the beginning, was very indignant at this. Chapter 4 the epistles which Dionysius wrote on this subject. Dionysius, therefore, having communicated with him extensively on this question by letter, finally showed him that since the persecution had abated, the churches everywhere had rejected the novelty of Novatus and were at peace among themselves. He writes as follows. Chapter 5. The Peace Following the Persecution but know now, my brethren, that all the churches throughout the east and beyond, which formerly were divided, have become united, and all the bishops everywhere are of one mind, and rejoice greatly in the peace which has come beyond expectation. Thus Demetrianus in Antioch, Theoctistus in Caesarea, Mazabanes in Elia, Marinus in Tyre, Alexander having fallen asleep, Heliodorus in Laodicea, Thelimidres being dead, Helenus in Tarsus, and all the churches of Cilicia, Vermilianus, and all Cappadocia. I have named only the more illustrious bishops, that I may not make my epistle too long and my words too burdensome. 
and all syria and arabia to which you send help when needed and whither you have just written mesopotamia pontus bithynia and in short all everywhere are rejoicing and glorifying god for the unanimity and brotherly love thus far dionysius but stephen having filled his office two years was succeeded by zistus dionysius wrote him a second epistle on baptism in which he shows him at the same time the opinion and judgment of stephen and the other bishops and speaks in this manner of stephen he therefore had written previously concerning helenus and Firmilianus, and all those in cilicia and cappadocia and galatia and the neighboring nations saying that he would not commune with them for this same cause namely that they rebaptized heretics but consider the importance of the matter for truly in the largest synods of the bishops as i learn decrees have been passed on this subject that those coming over from heresies should be instructed and then should be washed and cleansed from the filth of the old and impure leaven and i wrote entreating him concerning all these things further on he says i wrote also at first in few words recently in many to our beloved fellow presbyters dionysius and philemon who formerly had held the same opinion as stephen and had written to me on the same matters so much in regard to the above-mentioned controversy chapter six the heresy of sabellius he refers also in the same letter to the heretical teachings of sabellius which were in his time becoming prominent and says for concerning the doctrine now agitated in ptolemaeus of pentapolis which is impious and marked by great blasphemy against the almighty god the father and our lord jesus christ and contains much unbelief respecting his only begotten son and the firstborn of every creature the word which became man and a want of perception of the holy spirit as there came to me communications from both sides and brethren discussing the matter i wrote certain letters treating the subject as instructively as by the help of god i was able of these i send thee copies chapter seven the abominable error of the heretics the divine vision of dionysius and the ecclesiastical canon which he received in the third epistle on baptism which this same dionysius wrote to philemon the roman presbyter he relates the following but i examined the works and traditions of the heretics defiling my mind for a little time with their abominable opinions but receiving this benefit from them that i refuted them by myself and detested them all the more and when a certain brother among the presbyters restrained me fearing that i should be carried away with the filth of their wickedness for it would defile my soul in which also as i perceived he spoke the truth a vision sent from god came and strengthened me and the word which came to me commanded me saying distinctly read everything which thou canst take in hand for thou art able to correct and prove all and this has been to thee from the beginning the cause of thy faith i received the vision as agreeing with the apostolic word which says to them that are stronger be skilful money-changers then after saying some things concerning all the heresies he adds i received this rule and ordinance from our blessed father heraclus for those who came over from heresies although they had apostatized from the church or rather had not apostatized but seemed to meet with them yet were charged with resorting to some false teacher 
when he had expelled them from the church he did not receive them back though they entreated for it until they had publicly reported all things which they had heard from their adversaries but then he received them without requiring of them another baptism for they had formerly received the holy spirit from him again after treating the question thoroughly he adds i have learned also that this is not a novel practice introduced in africa alone but that even long ago in the times of the bishops before us this opinion has been adopted in the most populous churches and in synods of the brethren in iconium and synoda and by many others to overturn their counsels and throw them into strife and contention i cannot endure for it is said thou shalt not remove thy neighbor's landmark which thy fathers have set his fourth epistle on baptism was written to dionysius of rome who was then a presbyter but not long after received the episcopate of that church it is evident from what is stated of him by dionysius of alexandria that he also was a learned and admirable man among other things he writes to him as follows concerning novatus chapter eight the heterodoxy of novatus for with good reason do we feel hatred toward novatian who has sundered the church and drawn some of the brethren into impiety and blasphemy and has introduced impious teachings concerning god and has calumniated our most compassionate lord jesus christ as unmerciful and besides all this he rejects the holy baptism and overturns the faith and confession which precede it and entirely banishes from them the holy ghost if indeed there was any hope that he would remain or return to them chapter nine the ungodly baptism of the heretics his fifth epistle was written to zistus bishop of rome in this after saying much against the heretics he relates a certain occurrence of his time as follows for truly brother i am in need of counsel and i ask thy judgment concerning a certain matter which has come to me fearing that i may be in error for one of the brethren that assemble who has long been considered a believer and who before my ordination and i think before the appointment of the blessed heraclus was a member of the congregation was present with those who were recently baptized and when he heard the questions and answers he came to me weeping and bewailing himself and falling at my feet he acknowledged and protested that the baptism with which he had been baptized among the heretics was not of this character nor in any respect like this because it was full of impiety and blasphemy and he said that his soul was now pierced with sorrow and that he had not confidence to lift his eyes to god because he had set out from those impious words and deeds and on this account he besought that he might receive this most perfect purification and reception and grace but i did not dare to do this and said that his long communion was sufficient for this for i should not dare to renew from the beginning one who had heard the giving of thanks and joined in repeating the amen who had stood by the table and had stretched forth his hands to receive the blessed food and who had received it and partaken for a long while of the body and blood of our lord jesus christ but i exhorted him to be of good courage and to approach the partaking of the saints with firm faith and good hope but he does not cease lamenting and he shudders to approach the table and scarcely though entreated does he dare to be present at the prayers 
besides these there is also extant another epistle of the same man on baptism addressed by him and his parish to zistus and the church at rome in this he considers the question then agitated with extended argument and there is extant yet another after these addressed to dionysius of rome concerning lucian so much with reference to these chapter ten valerian and the persecution under him gallus and the other rulers having held the government less than two years were overthrown and valerian with his son gallienus received the empire the circumstances which Dionysius relates of him we may learn from his epistle to Hermammon, in which he gives the following account. And in like manner it is revealed to John, for there was given to him, he says, a mouth speaking great things and blasphemy, and there was given unto him authority and forty and two months. It is wonderful that both of these things occurred under Valerian, and it is the more remarkable in this case when we consider his previous conduct for he had been mild and friendly toward the men of god for none of the emperors before him had treated them so kindly and favorably and not even those who were said openly to be christians received them with such manifest hospitality and friendliness as he did in the beginning of his reign for his entire house was filled with pious persons and was a church of god but the teacher and ruler of the synagogue of the Magi from Egypt persuaded him to change his course, urging him to slay and persecute pure and holy men because they opposed and hindered the corrupt and abominable incantations. For there are and there were men who, being present and being seen, though they only breathed and spoke, were able to scatter the counsels of the sinful demons, and he induced him to practice initiations and abominable sorceries and to offer unacceptable sacrifices to slay innumerable children and to sacrifice the offspring of unhappy fathers to divide the bowels of newborn babes and to mutilate and cut to pieces the creatures of god as if by such practices they could attain happiness he adds to this the following Splendid indeed were the thank-offerings which Macrianus brought them for the empire which was the object of his hopes. He is said to have been formerly the emperor's general finance minister, yet he did nothing praiseworthy or of general benefit, but fell under the prophetic saying, Woe unto those who prophesy from their own heart and do not consider the general good. For he did not perceive the general providence, nor did he look for the judgment of him who is before all, and through all, and over all. Wherefore he became an enemy of his Catholic Church, and alienated and estranged himself from the compassion of God, and fled as far as possible from his salvation. In this he showed the truth of his own name. And again farther on he says, for Valerian, being instigated to such acts by this man, was given over to insults and reproaches, according to what was said by Isaiah, they have chosen their own ways and their abominations in which their soul delighted. I also will choose their delusions and will render unto them their sins. But this man madly desired the kingdom though unworthy of it, and being unable to put the royal garment on his crippled body, set forward his two sons to bear their father's sins. For concerning them the declaration which God spoke was plain, visiting the iniquities of the fathers upon the children unto the third and fourth generation of them that hate me. 
for heaping on the heads of his sons his own evil desires in which he had met with success he wiped off upon them his own wickedness and hatred toward god dionysius relates these things concerning valerian chapter eleven the events which happened at this time to dionysius and those in egypt but as regards the persecution which prevailed so fiercely in his reign and the sufferings which dionysius with others endured on account of piety toward the god of the universe his own words shall show which he wrote in answer to germanus a contemporary bishop who was endeavouring to slander him his statement is as follows truly i am in danger of falling into great folly and stupidity through being forced to relate the wonderful providence of god toward us but since it is said that it is good to keep close the secret of a king but it is honourable to reveal the works of god i will join issue with the violence of germanus i went not alone to emilianus but my fellow presbyter maximus and the deacons faustus eusebius and chimeron and a brother who was present from rome went with me but emilianus did not at first say to me hold no assemblies for this was superfluous to him and the last thing to one who was seeking to accomplish the first for he was not concerned about our assembling but that we ourselves should not be christians and he commanded me to give this up supposing if i turned from it the others also would follow me but i answered him neither unsuitably nor in many words we must obey god rather than men and i testified openly that i worshipped the one only god and no other and that i would not turn from this nor would i ever cease to be a christian thereupon he commanded us to go to a village near the desert called sephro but listen to the very words which were spoken on both sides as they were recorded dionysius faustus maximus marcellus and chimeron being arraigned emilianus the prefect said i have reasoned verbally with you concerning the clemency which our rulers have shown to you for they have given you the opportunity to save yourselves if you will turn to that which is according to nature and worship the gods that preserve their empire and forget those that are contrary to nature what then do you say to this for i do not think that you will be ungrateful for their kindness since they would turn you to a better course dionysius replied not all people worship all gods but each one those whom he approves we therefore reverence and worship the one god the maker of all who hath given the empire to the divinely favoured and august valerian and gallienus and we pray to him continually for their empire that it may remain unshaken emilianus the prefect said to them but who forbids you to worship him if he is a god together with those who are gods by nature for ye have been commanded to reverence the gods and the gods whom all know dionysius answered we worship no other emilianus the prefect said to them i see that you are at once ungrateful and insensible to the kindness of our sovereigns wherefore ye shall not remain in this city but ye shall be sent into the regions of libya to a place called sephro for i have chosen this place at the command of our sovereigns and it shall by no means be permitted you or any others either to hold assemblies or to enter into the so-called cemeteries but if any one shall be seen without the place which i have commanded or be found in any assembly he will bring peril on himself for suitable punishment shall not fail go therefore where ye have been ordered 
and he hastened me away though i was sick not granting even a day's respite what opportunity then did i have either to hold assemblies or not to hold them farther on he says but through the help of the lord we did not give up the open assembly but i called together the more diligently those who were in the city as if i were with them being so to speak absent in body but present in spirit but in sephro a large church gathered with us of the brethren that followed us from the city and those that joined us from egypt and there god opened unto us a door for the word at first we were persecuted and stoned but afterwards not a few of the heathen forsook the idols and turned to god for until this time they had not heard the word since it was then first sown by us and as if god had brought us to them for this purpose when we had performed this ministry he transferred us to another place for emilianus as it appeared desired to transport us to rougher and more libyan-like places so he commanded them to assemble from all quarters in moreatus and assigned to them different villages throughout the country but he ordered us to be placed nearer the highway that we might be seized first for evidently he arranged and prepared matters so that whenever he wished to seize us he could take all of us without difficulty when i was first ordered to go to sephro i did not know where the place was and had scarcely ever heard the name yet i went readily and cheerfully but when i was told that i was to remove to the district of caluthion those who were present know how i was affected for here i will accuse myself at first i was grieved and greatly disturbed for though these places were better known and more familiar to us yet the country was said to be destitute of brethren and of men of character and to be exposed to the annoyances of travellers and incursions of robbers but i was comforted when the brethren reminded me that it was nearer the city and that while sephro afforded us much intercourse with the brethren from egypt so that we were able to extend the church more widely as this place was nearer the city we should enjoy more frequently the sight of those who were truly beloved and most closely related and dearest to us for they would come and remain and special meetings could be held as in the more remote suburbs and thus it turned out after other matters he writes again as follows of the things which happened to him germanus indeed boasts of many confessions he can speak forsooth of many adversities which he himself has endured but is he able to reckon up as many as we can of sentences confiscations proscriptions plundering of goods loss of dignities contempt of worldly glory disregard for the flatteries of governors and of counsellors and patient endurance of the threats of opponents of outcries of perils and persecutions and wandering and distress and all kinds of tribulation such as came upon me under decius and sabinus and such as continue even now under emilianus but where has germanus been seen and what account is there of him but i turn from this great folly into which i am falling on account of germanus and for the same reason i desist from giving to the brethren who know it an account of everything which took place the same writer also in the epistle to domitius and didymus mentioned some particulars of the persecution as follows as our people are many and unknown to you it would be superfluous to give their names but understand that men and women young and old maidens and matrons soldiers and civilians of every race and age 
some by scourging and fire, others by the sword, have conquered in the strife and received their crowns. But in the case of some a very long time was not sufficient to make them appear acceptable to the Lord, as indeed it seems also in my own case that sufficient time has not yet elapsed. Wherefore he has retained me for the time which he knows to be fitting, saying, In an acceptable time have I heard thee, and in a day of salvation have I helped thee. For as you have inquired of our affairs and desire us to tell you how we are situated, you have heard fully that when we, that is, myself and Gaius and Faustus and Peter and Paul, were led away as prisoners by a centurion and magistrates, with their soldiers and servants, certain persons from Moraeatus came and dragged us away by force, as we were unwilling to follow them. But now I and Gaius and Peter are alone, deprived of the other brethren, and shut up in a desert and dry place in Libya, three days' journey from Paritonium. He says farther on, the presbyters, Maximus, Dioscorus, Demetrius, and Lucius, concealed themselves in the city, and visited the brethren secretly, for Faustinus and Aquila, who are more prominent in the world, are wandering in Egypt. But the deacons, Faustus, Eusebius, and Chimeron, have survived those who died in the pestilence. Eusebius is one whom God has strengthened and endowed from the first to fulfill energetically the ministrations for the imprisoned confessors, and to attend to the dangerous task of preparing for burial the bodies of the perfected and blessed martyrs. For as I have said before, unto the present time the governor continues to put to death in a cruel manner those who are brought to trial, and he destroys some with tortures, and wastes others away with imprisonment and bonds, and he suffers no one to go near them, and investigates whether any one does so. Nevertheless, God gives relief to the afflicted through the zeal and persistence of the brethren. Thus far Dionysius. But it should be known that Eusebius, whom he calls a deacon, shortly afterward became bishop of the church of Laodicea in Syria, and Maximus, of whom he speaks as being then a presbyter, succeeded Dionysius himself as bishop of Alexandria. But the Faustus who was with him, and who at that time was distinguished for his confession, was preserved until the persecution in our day, when being very old and full of days, he closed his life by martyrdom, being beheaded. But such are the things which happened at that time to Dionysius. Chapter 12 the martyrs in Caesarea in Palestine. During the above-mentioned persecution under Valerian, three men in Caesarea in Palestine, being conspicuous in their confession of Christ, were adorned with divine martyrdom, becoming food for wild beasts. One of them was called Priscus, another Malchus, and the name of the third was Alexander. They say that these men who lived in the country acted at first in a cowardly manner, as if they were careless and thoughtless, for when the opportunity was given to those who longed for the prize with heavenly desire, they treated it lightly, lest they should seize the crown of martyrdom prematurely. But, having deliberated on the matter, they hastened to Caesarea, and went before the judge and met the end we have mentioned. They relate that besides these, in the same persecution and the same city, a certain woman endured a similar conflict. But it is reported that she belonged to the sect of Marcion. End of Book 7, Part 1